Well, we are in our teaching series called Awaken, Coming Alive Through Worship. And uh, we are, this is going to be a seven-week series. We are in the fourth week of it today. We started off by looking at what worship is, that worship is our response to God. It is our expression of love and dedication to God. It is us surrendering ourselves. Obedience is worship, right? Giving is worship. Sacrificing is worship. Singing songs is only a small part of our worship. And then we looked at worship as warfare, that the battle belongs to God. All we have to do is show up. We show up in worship, God fights the battle for us, and we reap the reward. Last week, we looked at a very important topic for our church because we believe that it is a topic that defines our church, and that is prophetic worship. And we encourage you to listen like elephants, right? That elephants can hear with their ears the audible noise, but that elephants can also hear a rumbling that is not audible to human ears. And so when we worship, we hear the song that's being played, but we also experience the rumbling of the Holy Spirit that can't be heard with our ears. But we experience the anointing and the releasing and the prophetic move of God as we worship, the prophetic is stirred up in us. If you miss that message, I want to encourage you to go to our website or go to our podcast and listen to it because I believe it is a critical message for our church. Today, we're going to look at the topic of the power of the presence. One thing we know is that worship brings the presence of God. And we want to look at the power of what we experience when we access the presence of God so that it will encourage and inspire us to do whatever it takes to create the space, the time, to remove any obstacles that would stop us from entering into the presence of God. So to talk about the power of the presence, i got to introduce a term to you. Maybe you've heard it before, maybe you haven't, but the term is the manifest presence, right? We're going to talk about the manifest presence. So if we look at the presence of God, we understand omnipresence, right? Omni means all, so omnipresent means present all the time. We understand that God is everywhere all the time. He's here in this building, he's outside, he's around the entire island. Everywhere you go, God is there, right? King David wrote about this in the Psalms. He said, I could go to the highest heights, and God is there. I could go to the deepest depths, and God is there. I could go to Hades, and God is there. There's nowhere I can go to get away from God. God is everywhere all the time. We also understand the indwelling and that is this, that if we are a follower of Jesus, then we know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. At all times, the Holy Spirit's inside of us. So we have this understanding that God is everywhere all the time and that the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of us all the time. So then what is manifest presence? Well, here's the reality. Even though God is omnipresent and dwelling inside of us, we're not always aware of it. We're, we don't constantly live in the awareness of God all around us or of God inside of us. And that's why we have this phrase, manifest presence. The simple definition is this. The fact that he is with us is made clear and convincing. So the manifest presence is those moments in your life when the presence of God is so obvious that he is here. 
I can feel it. I can almost touch it. I can experience it. I can see it. The presence of God is here. The word manifest itself means clear and obvious to the mind or the eye. So when the presence of God becomes so obvious that we are aware of it, that is what we call the manifest presence. The manifest presence can happen in physical terms, right? The room could fill with a cloud. That would be a physical manifestation. The walls could shake. A wind could blow through the room, right? We could hear the steps of an army marching knowing that the hosts of heaven are all around us. Those would be physical manifestations of the presence of God. You could also have emotional manifestations. When you feel the comfort of God, when you feel the peace of God, when you feel his strength, when you feel his warmth and his love and his goodness inside of you and you just feel it overwhelming you, when you're grieving, the comfort overwhelms you. That is the manifest presence of God and you're experiencing it emotionally. And then there is the manifest presence of God that we experience spiritually, right? That's when the presence of God moves and our spirits are uplifted and, and we just experience the power of God in a way that we can't describe except everything inside of me is screaming, he's here right now. And I just want to let loose. And then when you start seeing the most reserved, the shyest person in the room starts dancing and letting loose and you're like, whoo, God is here. So that is the manifest presence. Now, I know, you know, we as charismatics will say things like, man, God really showed up to church today. Or, man, the presence of God was powerful today. And then someone who's not a charismatic will make fun of you, right? They'll be like, I thought God was there all the time. And you're like, shut up. Okay, so here's the thing. We understand that when we're saying that, we're saying, I felt the presence of God. We understand he's always here, but when we experience it in an obvious, tangible way, then we know that the presence has been made manifest. And listen, for those that want to make fun of you, I would reply with this. You say, you know, the Bible is not the story of the omnipresence of God. The Bible is the story of the manifest presence of God. The Bible is the story of God showing up in people's lives. Sometimes he shows up in the form of a man. Sometimes he shows up in the form of a storm. Sometimes he shows up in the form of a, of a cloud. Sometimes he shows up in the form of a still small voice whispering. Right? We're not always looking for the manifest presence just in the big flashes and the big bangs. We also experience the manifest presence of God in the still small whisper like Elijah. The Bible is the story of the manifest presence of God engaging with mankind. Listen to this phrase. I put it up on a slide here for you because I thought this was just a, a great, great explanation. The difference between the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit and God's omnipresence is that God's omnipresence is always there despite the fact that we cannot always feel it. In other words, God's presence is everywhere at all times and with all of us, believer and unbeliever alike. Likewise, his Holy Spirit indwells believers at all times, but his manifest presence is something that occurs in our lives as he chooses to reveal himself. 
It is the occasional appearance to the human mind or eye of the reality of his omnipresence and of his continual care for us. That is what we are seeking together as a church. We are seeking the manifest presence of God. So I'm going to talk to you guys today about the power of that presence. And to talk about it, I want to look at Moses and his experience with the manifest presence of God. So we're going to do a little journey through the book of Exodus today. We're going to read a lot of Bible today. I hope you're okay with that. But I want us to experience what Moses experienced with multiple different occasions of the manifest presence. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 19. By this point, the Exodus itself had already happened, which is Moses led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea. The Red Sea swallowed up the Egyptian army. Now the people are free. And for the first time, as a free people, God is going to engage the nation of Israel. And that's where we pick up the story here in Exodus chapter 19. Starting in verse 10. The Lord also said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. He says, Moses, you go tell the people to get ready because on the third day I'm coming. And of course, this is a foreshadowing of Jesus himself, right, coming alive on the third day. He says to consecrate yourself. What does that word consecrate means? It means to cleanse yourself, to prepare yourself to experience something holy. Why did God give them two days to do it? Well, he told them to go wash their garments. Where they're at in the wilderness, right, we call it a wilderness, but it was pretty much a desert. There wasn't a whole lot of water sources. So for a nation of one million people to all do the laundry at the same time, It was going to take a couple days, right? You know what it's like in your house, just with one family in your house. It's like, good Lord, I can never get to the washing machine. So you had to get a million people to go all clean their clothes at the same time. So God gave them two days to do it. And then he said, on the third day, you better be ready. Verse 12, you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, beware that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Here's the thing about the old covenant. Under the old covenant, you could only get so close to God, right? God says, I want you to come close, but only so close. Because if you get too close and you touch the presence, you're going to die. Praise God now that we live in the New Testament where Jesus has died for us and his blood covers us and his blood makes us holy so that we can stand in the presence of God without any fear, right? We don't gather in worship service kind of nervous like no one's going to drop dead today, right? Don't want anybody to touch the mountain because it says here not only will that person have to die, but no one can lay hands on them, which means you have to kill them from a distance, Right, verse 13, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. He said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. So apparently abstinence from sex was also an important part of their consecration process. He's like, I don't even want you to be distracted by your wives, right? Just give it two days so that we can be focused when we get to the mountain. 
Verse 16. Now here's where the manifest presence of God shows up. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. This was God showing up. This is the presence of God, right? We're talking about thunder and lightning. We're talking about a cloud covering the mountain. We're talking about fire going up and smoke billowing out and the ground shaking. And in the midst of all of that, a trumpet is blowing. And they can't even see anybody playing a trumpet. In theology terms, we call this a storm theophany. Theophany being an appearance of God and God appearing in the form of a storm. Thunder and lightning and earthquakes and clouds and fire. Why? Because I think it's important that we have a healthy fear and a healthy respect of God. That we have those times when we can stand in the awe of God. You know, now that we have Jesus and we can follow God intimately, you know, sometimes we can get so comfortable with God that we take for granted that he's still God. Right? We, we look at him as a loving heavenly father and we look at him as one that we can get close to and spend time with. But, but we lose the sense of awe that he is still the God of the universe and that he is still all powerful and completely holy. He is still the God that comes in fire. He is still the God that shakes the mountains. And when we get too comfortable with it, we just take it for granted and we lose the awe and we lose the power of the moment. Guys, if you think about it, if you remember way back to when you were first pursuing who is now your spouse, right? And you think back to those days when um, you were just in awe that you actually got to go on a date with her, right? And you're just thinking, I can't believe she's going out with me. Doesn't she know she's too beautiful for me? Doesn't she know she's too good for me? I can't believe she's, she's going out with me. And so, so you get yourself all cleaned up, right? You shower, you shave, you, you trim all the hairs off your ears, right? You don't, you don't want anything looking weird. You put your best clothes on. You're ready because you're just in awe that this amazing woman is going to go out with you. And then you get like 20 years into your marriage, And now your wife is like, could you at least just put a clean shirt on so we can go out, right? We get comfortable and we lose the sense of awe. God doesn't want us to get so comfortable with him that we lose the sense of awe, that he is still the God of the universe, the God that moves mountains. Verse 19, when the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. I just love picturing this. Moses is talking to God, and Moses can actually hear what God is saying, but everybody else just hears thunder. It's like when you're watching those kid cartoons, and the character can hear animals talk, but nobody else can, right? And so the character hears all the words the animal's saying. Everybody else just hears, that's what it was like. Moses is listening to God, and everybody else just hears thunder. And then verse 20, the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. I love this. It says that God came down and he called Moses up. 
That's the manifest presence of God, is that God comes down and then he calls us up. And when we're in the manifest presence of God, we are elevated. Moses went to the top of the mountain. You know that life looks different when you're on top of a mountain? When I was in school in Phoenix, Arizona, I loved going to this mountain that was just south of the city. Strangely enough, they named it South Mountain. Extremely creative. And at the top of South Mountain, there was a place called Dobbins Lookout. And you could drive up to the top of the mountain, and you could just sit there at the lookout, and you could see the entire city of Phoenix spread out. You could see the landscape of the desert and the majesty of the mountains. And I loved it because when you're in downtown Phoenix, it just looks like an ugly city, right? It's just concrete and blacktop and buildings, and you're just like, ugh. But, man, you go up to Dobbins Lookout, and it's just like, wow. This is amazing. Life looks different when you're on top of the mountain. The manifest presence of God calls you to the top of the mountain. And you begin to experience life differently. Your circumstances look different. Your problems look a whole lot smaller. And you see a much bigger picture of who God is and what he is doing. He calls you up the mountain. All right, let's fast forward now. Moses spends 40 days on the top of the mountain. God gives him the Ten Commandments, the covenant. God gives him all the plans for the tabernacle, which is the the tent of meeting, right? The the, the mobile temple that the children of Israel are going to use. God gives all of that to him for 40 days. And then after 40 days, Moses comes down the mountain. Of course, during those 40 days, the nation of Israel made a golden calf, started worshiping idols, having orgies. 40 days, and they just went bananas. They couldn't wait for Moses for 40 days. So then after that experience, we pick it up in Exodus 33. And let's start reading in verse 7. It says this. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Now it's important that this is the tent of meeting in lowercase letters because the tent of meeting with capital letters was the tabernacle, right? That was the temple where the presence of God dwelt and where only the priests could go in and all of that that you learn about in the books of the law. This was the tent of meeting lowercase. This wasn't the temple. This was just a tent that Moses made for himself. He called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about, whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, here comes the manifest presence of God. Are you ready? The pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Why did Moses experience the manifest presence of God? Because he made a place for it. And we will experience more of the manifest presence of God in our lives the more that we make a place for it. And that would mean making room for it. That means a matter of making time for it. That means a matter of making space for it in our lives. It's not just necessarily going to one certain location, even though the church is a pretty good location to experience it. It's a matter of making space for it. 
Moses made space for it. He made a place where he knew that he could go and the manifest presence of God would show up. And what happened in the presence of God? God spoke to him face to face. Moses needed a word. He went to the manifest presence. He needed direction and guidance. He went to the manifest presence. When he was ready to give up because he was done with these people, he went to the manifest presence. That's where we'll hear from God. That's where God will speak to us face to face. That's where we'll receive what we need from God. Let's continue now. Moses is having one of these conversations with God. And Moses says, now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so that I might find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he, being God, and God said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Can we talk about the manifest presence of God bringing rest to us? We've got a lot of tired Christians here. We've got a lot of fatigued followers of Jesus. We're anxious, we're stressed out, we're busy, we're working hard, we're worrying about all kinds of stuff, we're trying to make it all happen. And God says, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. There is a place of rest in the manifest presence of God. There is a place of peace. And it doesn't mean you work any less hard, and it doesn't mean you worship any less passionately. It just means that in his presence, the anxiety melts away. In his presence, the stress level starts coming down. My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from the other people who are upon the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. I want you to realize this. The presence of God and the favor of God are synonymous. They go hand in hand. When you have one, you have the other. So what is the favor of God? The favor of God is the tangible evidence that a person has the approval of God that you know that God approves of the life that you're living because you are walking in the tangible evidence of it. What is the tangible evidence? The kindness of God, being treated with a generosity and a goodwill that goes far beyond what would normally be expected. When you are walking in the kindness and the goodness of God, that is the favor of God. Now listen, it's more than just getting the front parking spot at Walmart's, right? Front parking spot, hallelujah, favor of God. Thank you, Jesus. No, it's more than that. What is the favor of God is you start getting more yeses than noes when you ask for things. What if the favor of God is that you start getting more answers to your prayers and they start coming quicker? What if the favor of God is that you see the greater movement of the supernatural in your life? What if the favor of God is that when you engage in relationships with people, those relationships advance faster than what is humanly normal and you make greater progress and greater impact in your relationships? That is the favor of God. And the presence of God and the favor of God are synonymous. 
When we engage the manifest presence of God, then we go out in the favor of God. They go hand in hand. And finally, Moses said, man, if your presence isn't going to go with us, don't send us, God. I don't want to go anywhere without your manifest presence. This is what's happening, right? They, they made the golden calf. They were worshiping idols. They were doing terrible things. And so God said, you know what? I've had enough with you people. You guys go ahead, make your way to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. And that's why Moses said, God, if you're not going to go, don't send us. He says, your presence is what distinguishes us from everybody else. The manifest presence of God is what sets us apart from everybody else. Right? As Christians, we like to kind of water it down and say, well, you know, I'm just like you, except I'm forgiven. No. It's I'm just like you, except I have the very presence of God living inside of me. That is the distinguishing mark of being a follower of God. And Moses said, if there's not going to be manifest presence, I don't want to go. Why? Because he knew that the manifest presence was going to give them the strength and the power that they needed to fulfill their purpose. And the same thing is true in our lives. We will never fulfill our destiny. We will never fulfill all of the purpose of God in our lives without the manifest presence of God. Now here, Moses pushes the envelope. Because by this point, it's like, come on. Moses got to go to the top of the mountain. Moses has his own tent where God shows up to. God talks to Moses face to face like a friend. You think Moses would be satisfied, right? But check out verse 18, the very next verse. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Moses just asks for more. Moses is like, you know what, this is great that I have your presence, but I want more. Will you show me more? Can we say today, church, that it's okay to ask for more? It's okay to want more of his presence. It's okay to want more. It's okay to ask him. You know what happened when Moses asked for more? He got more. God didn't scold him for asking for more. God didn't chastise him for being selfish. God gave him what he asked for. I think we need to start asking for more of the glory of God. We need to start asking for more of the presence of God. Moses said, I want to see you, God. I want to see you in all your glory. And God said, listen, Moses, not even you can see me in all my glory because you would drop dead. He said, but this is what I'm going to do. Over here in this rock, there's a big cleft in the rock. There's a big cracked opening in the rock. I'm going to put you inside that opening. Then... I'm going to come down, I'm going to cover the opening with my hand, and then I'm going to kind of walk by you backwards like this. And that's the closest you can come to seeing me. And Moses says, okay, cool, that's good enough. Whatever I can get. So God does it. Look at the next chapter, verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. What was Moses doing when the presence of God showed up? He was calling on the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and began proclaiming. So I want you to picture this. Moses is in the rock. God is covering the rock with his hand, kind of walking by backwards like this. 
And as he's walking by backwards, he is proclaiming the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Moses made haste to bow low towards the earth and to worship. Moses went to Barak. He bowed down to worship the king. What is God doing here? God is proclaiming all of his divine attributes. So what does that mean? That means that when we are in the manifest presence of God, we get to know God better than we ever knew him before. We develop an intimacy and we begin to understand his attributes and we're going to, every time we go into the presence of God, we're going to learn something new about him. Might focus on his godhood, might focus on his compassion, or maybe his grace, or his long-suffering, or his patience, or his loving kindness, or his truth. But every time we are in the manifest presence of God, he's going to reveal something of his character to us. And finally, at the end of Exodus 34, let's look at verse 29. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hands as he was coming down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with God. Moses' face was glowing and not glowing like we say to a pregnant lady, right? Like, oh, you're glowing. You're just shining. No, like his face was literally pushing out like 100 watts. His face was a light bulb. It was glowing. And it says he didn't know it. Can you just picture Moses is walking down the mountain carrying the two tablets that God had just written on, and he's just walking down, and he gets back to the camp, and everybody's just staring at him funny? Have you ever walked into a room before, and people are looking at you funny, and you know there's something on your face, but you don't know what it is, right? You're like, what are you looking at, dude? Do I have a booger hanging out? Is it... uh, Is it what's going on here, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, that's what happened to Moses. But he's like, what are you guys staring at? And they're like, um, your face is glowing. Oh, but here's the thing. It says every time he came out of the tent of the manifest presence, his face was glowing. It says he even put a cover over his face because it was weirding the people out too much. But you see, being in the manifest presence of God is transformational. Something is going to change in you, and people are going to notice. For Moses, it was glowing face, and people noticed. What's it going to be for you? You go to work on Monday, and people are like, there's something different about you from Friday. What was the difference? And you're going to be like, I was in the manifest presence of God. And they're going to notice it in your words. They're going to notice it in the joy on your face. They're going to notice it in, in, in the way you're carrying yourself. They're going to notice it in that you're treating people differently. They're going to notice the manifest presence of God is going to change you, and people are going to notice. So let's put this all together. I put all of this on one slide for you so you guys could see this. What did we just learn about the manifest presence of God? In God's manifest presence, we are kept in awe of his power and his holiness. 
We're not going to take for granted that we know God personally. In the manifest presence, God speaks to us face-to-face like to a friend. We're going to hear the words from God that we need to hear when we're in his manifest presence. We get to know God more intimately every time we're in his presence. We find the favor of God. We'll be in the manifest presence, and then we'll go out and live our lives in the favor and the goodness of God. We experience rest. And we'll find rest in the midst of our fatigue when we're in his presence. We receive the supernatural strength that is necessary to fulfill God's purposes. We find that in his presence. And finally, we are touched and transformed so that people will notice. The manifest presence is what will set us apart and distinguish who we are. We get all of that when we live our lives seeking the manifest presence of God. And you say, that's great, Pastor. That was all Old Testament. But what does that mean to the church? How about Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22? So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirits. Do you hear what that's saying? That's saying that we, when we become followers of Jesus, we're no longer strangers and aliens to God but that we are citizens with God's people. We become a part of God's family and his household. And then God begins to build a building with us. The cornerstone of that building is Jesus Christ himself. The most important stone of any building is that cornerstone because if that cornerstone isn't set properly, the rest of the building is out of whack. But when Jesus is the cornerstone, everything is going to be built properly. The foundation was the apostles and the prophets. And then he says, every brick in the building is each one of us. Every believer coming together, we grow together into the temple of God. And what is the temple of God? It is the dwelling place of the manifest presence of God. That means every time we come together as a people of God, the manifest presence of God is going to be there. It's going to show up. It doesn't have to be at church even though church is going to be the most consistent place you will ever find it. But when we gather together at church to worship, we know we're going to find the manifest presence of God. When we gather together as believers in our homes and we begin to worship, the manifest presence of God is going to show up. When we gather as believers out in the community, the manifest presence of God is going to show up. That is what it means for the church, that we would make space You know that research now says that the average church attender in America only comes to church one or two Sundays a month. Why is that? Because we've stopped making space for the manifest presence. Soccer games and baseball games and family trips or just sleeping in or work or the busyness of life, whatever has come up has crowded out the space and we've stopped making space. If we would commit to gathering with the believers in church every Sunday, that every Sunday we would be in the manifest presence of God and we would experience all of the power that I was just talking about. Amen? 2 Corinthians 6, 14, and I'm going to read through chapter 7, verse 1. 
Paul writes, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Bilal? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said. I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, so if we have the promise of the manifest presence of God, how should we respond to that promise? Paul says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Our response to the promise of the manifest presence should be to cleanse ourselves from sin and to separate ourselves from the ways of the world. Not to separate ourselves from the world itself, because if we separate ourselves from the world, who's going to share the gospel of Jesus? We don't separate ourselves from the world itself. We just separate ourselves from the way of the world, the way that the world functions, the philosophy that they function. God said, come out from them and be separate. Do not touch what is unclean. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back today. So if we have all of these promises of the presence of God, what should we do? Number one, we should make a place to meet with him. We should start making space in our lives. And that space could be in the form of the time that we are setting aside. It could be in the priority that we're going to set on gathering with other believers. Right in this digital age now, we just feel like, well, I can just stay home and watch somebody on Facebook Live, and that's church. No. Church is when you make it a priority to gather with other believers because it's when you gather with other believers that the manifest presence of God shows up. That we would start making a space in our lives for the presence of God. The second thing, that we would consecrate ourselves. That there is a cleansing that would begin to happen. You say, what? I get the presence of God? The God of all the universe? I get to stand in his presence? He's calling me to the top of the mountain? then I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that nothing holds me back from that. And that means a time of cleansing. And that might mean some physical things. We might need to go through our houses and get some stuff out of our houses. We might need to go through our phones and start deleting some apps off our phones because those apps have become idols. There's some things we might need to do to start consecrating ourselves. And that's in the physical, and then we get into the spiritual and the emotional. Right? Are there some sins that I need to deal with? Is there some things I've been touching that I need to get my hand off of? Because God said, don't touch. We consecrate ourselves. And then we worship. We gather together and we worship God with all of our hearts. And we know that when we do that, the manifest presence is going to come. Number four, we call on the name of the Lord. When we need God... When we're in a struggle, when we're in a crisis, when we need guidance, we don't go to a self-help book. We don't write a letter to Dear Abby. We don't try to figure it out ourselves. We call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. And when we call upon the name of the Lord, the manifest presence will show up. And we will find the answer that we're looking for. And then finally, 
What do we do? We carry that power with us as we go back into our daily lives and we do the work of the kingdom. We don't go work in our own strength, in our own flesh, in our own energy. We go out in the favor and the power of God because we are a people that live in the manifest presence of God. And because of that, we can fulfill the purpose of God. And we can turn this island upside down. We can turn the world upside down because we are a people of the presence of God. Amen? Will you stand with me today? We've already done it today, but now that it's been taught, let's do it again with some purpose. Let us go after God. Let us call upon the name of the Lord. Let us ask God to pour out upon us his manifest presence. Yes, we know he's omnipresent all the time, but I want to feel it. I want to experience it. I want to hear it. I want to be able to touch it. I want to feel it lifting my spirits. I want to feel the strength rising up within me. I want to hear his voice. I want to see his divine attributes. We're going to worship. And I don't know if the building is going to shake. Boy, that sure would be awesome. If the building just started shaking in the midst of worship. I tell you what, we'd be like Acts chapter 4. We'd go out with some serious boldness if the walls started shaking. But let us believe for a physical manifestation. But let us also seek an emotional manifestation a spiritual manifestation. Let us experience the power of the presence of God right now.